it's 12.57. I asked Kenneth Rejock. What is this scandal about? Been reported in all the international press. He has been investigating. Dominica, stay tuned. Mr. Kenneth Rejock, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you, good sir? Good morning. Good morning. Good, good morning to you, Matt, and good morning, Dominica. Yes, I saw you there writing on your blog. This big story as well. Are you following the big one reported earlier by Al Jazeera News Network? Yes, sir, but it's not the story itself. It's the backstory that's important. But there's a backstory to it. Okay. Yes, sir, we can read all about this, uh, this errant uh, oil tanker with a Dominica registry, which obviously was moving illicit Iranian oil uh, in international commerce in violation of sanctions. But, but listen, there's a U.S. criminal case behind this boat, which uh, basically has not been covered, and a backstory behind that. Just to get into it, two Iranian nationals uh, decided that they were going to buy a, a $10 million oil tanker on behalf of Iran, and they were going to do it secretly and in violation of all of the international sanctions and hide the purchase from U.S. regulators. So what they did was they formed a shell company and claimed to be from India, claimed to be involved in uh, mining, and they set up a shell company operating out of Oman with front owners. And they then funneled... uh, over $10 million through the international banking system. But they were U.S. dollars, and our regulators caught them and froze the money. Meanwhile, the bad guys had already taken possession of this oil tanker, and they were using it to move oil out of an Iranian port for its customers. Now, all of this hoopla about hijacking, it was the owners, the original owners of the vessel, that have been looking to repossess it because, frankly, they haven't been paid. So what they did was the bad actors turned off their transponder so nobody knew where the oil tanker was, and they moved it from the UAE into Iranian waters. Mm. So it, it's no big mess. Yes, sir. It's not a big mystery. It's just uh, another attempt at Iranian disinformation. Now, let's look at the history, and unfortunately... Uh, Dominica has had, over the past couple years, a large number of vessels registered in the government's registry, which end up having been used to transport illegal Iranian oil. Remember, there was a Dominica flag vessel that was caught in the Sea of Japan between Korea and Japan, offloading illegal oil for North Korea. Uh, my own impression is that the whole thing goes back to that famous and now imprisoned Dominican diplomat, so to speak, Ali Reza Monfared. That's right. Mr. Monfared uh, operated in Malaysia with his bogus diplomatic passport in the tax haven of Labuan, and he had a large number of oil tankers just sitting offshore at rest so that he could sell the Iranian oil to buyers in Asia. At the same time, magically, a number of Iranian uh, vessels are re-registered in Dominica and end up 
involved in this illicit smuggling enterprise. Now, there's one backstory to this that still hasn't been covered in the major media, and that is that where you see Monfred, you see all the other players in this huge $11 billion industry through which Iran sold its oil illegally on the global network uh, outside of the realm of the law. So Monfred and his partners, two of which are, they are right now in prison facing the death penalty, and Monfred, as you know, is doing 20 years in an Iranian prison. So if you peel back the onion, you find out that, but for Dominica, a lot of these operations would never have been allowed to occur. Dominica has been the unwilling facilitator of a global uh, sanctions evasion on Iranian oil. And candidly, it's certainly like to know who was behind all these registries. Did it occur in uh, the, the state of Massachusetts where we have this unofficial registry? Or did it occur in Greece where we have another one of those bogus diplomats registering vessels for, for money in Dominica? Good question. Good question as well, but uh, let me tell you, Mr. Kenneth Rejock, why, um, explain a little more about the ship registry, why are they choosing to register the ships, uh, uh, you know, on Dominican, uh, or the Dominican name? Okay, if I'm the U.S. Navy or the U.S. Coast Guard and I come across a, a vessel in the high seas in international waters and I want to board that vessel, I need the consent of the country in which it's registered. Think about it. What if you're a member of the U.S. Coast Guard somewhere in the, in the Pacific and you try to get a hold of the ship's registry for Dominica, which frankly is outsourced and doesn't exist in Roseau. So what's happening here is that you get to frustrate justice because if you're a U.S. warship, if there are no American nationals on board and it's not registered in the U.S., you don't have any jurisdiction to mm. seize it. It's a loophole that a loophole that is exploited by criminal enterprises for decades. Is there, is there big money involved in, in this registration? Well, it, it's not the registration itself. Remember, it's the it's the illicit profits that the smuggling of oil will, of course, uh, bring. Now, whether or not there are uh, bribes and kickbacks paid under the table to the people registering the vessel on behalf of Dominica is, of course, another story. But you can imagine a high-risk item like an oil tanker, which is already registered in Iran, will not very easily get registered anywhere else without some money changing hands unofficially. But what does it do to the name Dominica? Sending some bad vibes in the international community? What it does is it reinforces, unfortunately, the, the feeling in the global legitimate business community that if it's Dominican, it's trouble. If it's something from Dominica, whether it's a CBI passport, somebody coming in uh, with uh, some business to transact, or somebody who is possibly moving dirty money, Dominica is fast acquiring a taint from which it will not escape for years. And this registry of obvious smuggling boats just adds fuel to the fire. Wow. So you, you, you're seriously concerned about the name Dominica being used, uh, you know, on these oil tankers? Unfortunately, yes. We don't need Dominica to be muddied up with the dirt of Iran for the next decade.
Kenneth Rejong, I'm almost lost for words that our name is so entangled in the international community with these oil tankers. This is not the first time, though. We have not we have seen that before. No, unfortunately, it, it's it's becoming a, a little bit more common than we'd like to see. And while it's not as widespread, uh, there have been, of course, published lists of uh, vessels which mysteriously end up registered in Dominica, and that's just got to stop. So you heard the international uh, investigator speaking to some of the eels in money laundering and related activities that we're hearing about ship registration and the likes. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more. I keep telling you that Dominique is pregnant with issues. We try to deliver one on a one-on-one basis. But every day we have a few issues, a few issues to deal with. I promised you the opposition leader who will uh, speak to us. I'm sure, as usual, very interactive. Let me say good afternoon to the opposition leader, Mr. Lennox Linton. How are you? Very good afternoon to you, Matt Peltier. Good afternoon to the people of Dominica, the people of Concord and Marigot. Uh, Matt, I'm doing well. Uh, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. You have been observing, I imagine, the issues around you. Well, next week, the matter of the petition that we filed after the 2019 election goes to the court for the hearing of the strike out application. The people that we brought before the court uh, in this matter uh, challenging the results in 10 constituencies have through their lawyers asked the court to strike out the petitions because they claim many things. Well, I don't know if they claim an innocence, they're, just, they're claiming a lot of technicalities and a lot of things are wrong with the petitions, etc. So they should, be, they should not be heard, they should be struck out. So that will be heard on uh, Tuesday, the 21st. You'll recall, Matt, that we had challenged the results of the election because we felt there was a violation of the Constitution, there was disobedience to the electoral laws of the country, and there were a number of irregularities and illegalities that prevailed in the, in the process up to the 6th of December. We saw voter, voter registration objections that we filed, which were ignored. There were unlawful DLP advertisements on polling day. They were treating violations of the House of Assembly Elections Act. There, were, there was undue influence of voters living overseas, bribed with free transportation to come into Dominica to vote. We saw all that. Uh, campaign finance from questionable sources. The denial of access to state-owned DBS radio. And, uh, of course, the intimidation and pr police brutality underlined by the presence of RSS soldiers and officers in Dominica on the eve of the election and uh, the very ugly events that unfolded in Salisbury in particular on the eve of the election. So we have 
place before the court for consideration or concerns that these various issues impacted the outcome of the election and rendered it not free and uh, not fair. So that was within 21 days of the 6th of December. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have come now to head into the end of June, July, sorry, head into the end of July in 2020. And uh, we're still at the stage where the strikeout application that was filed in February, six months ago, is, is now being heard next week, Tuesday. And what I wanted to point attention to this afternoon is the fact that there was an election in St. Kitts on the 5th of June. And the election was won by the incumbent Team Unity Coalition of the People's Action Movement, the Concerned Citizens Movement of, of Nevis, and uh, the the Labour Party of um, of Prime Minister Timothy Harris. The election saw the defeat of the St. Kitts-Nevis Labour Party of Dr. Denzel Douglas. And, and so the St. Kitts-Nevis Labour Party has now filed a petition against the result in St. Kitts, claiming that the election results were affected by significant and substantial irregularities in the electoral process. They claim that the vote was not free, as it was affected by corrupt practices, namely bribery and treating, which rendered the elections null and void and uh, or as no election at all. Now, the submission before the court makes the observation that free elections denote the right to take part in elections once qualified under the applicable statute, statutes. And fairness means conducting elections by the rules of engagement and without political interference. The same lead attorney that is filing, that's leading the strikeout hearing for petitions next week is the very same one who is leading the petitions, the, the filing of the petitions in the St. Kitts matter. So he wants the petitions in the St. Kitts matter to be heard on the grounds of bribery and treating, but he does not want our petitions in Dominica to be heard at all. So in St. Kitts, there's a claim that there was bribery contrary to, to Section 108A and C of the Election Act. <laughs> and, and here, I, it's important to get some details so people understand clearly what's in front of us. The claim is that the victorious candidates are guilty of bribery within the meaning of Section 108A and C of the Act. They did personally, directly or indirectly, by themselves or by any other persons on their behalf, gave or promised or agreed to give or offer promise or promise to procure or to, or to endeavor to procure lands 
held at sustainable development as valuable consideration to or for diverse voters throughout St. Kitts, or to or for such diverse persons on behalf of other voters to vote or to refrain from voting at the election, bribery. The claim also states, the petition states that candidates of team unity personally, team, team unity, team unity per, personally, mm -hmm. directly or indirectly by themselves or any other person on their behalf, with their knowledge and or consent, gave <laughs> or promised or agreed to give or offer $50 cash vouchers for a supermarket. These cash vouchers were produced and distributed on behalf of candidates on election day with their knowledge and or consent. They also claim that some of these candidates, personally, directly or indirectly by themselves or by any other person on their behalf with their knowledge and or consent, gave or promised or agreed to give or offer promise or promise to procure or to endeavor to procure, adding persons to the Poverty Alleviation Program, PAP, in the weeks and days leading up to the election. And the petition before the, case, before the court cites the example of this voter who was previously on the PAP program, was removed from the list in 2019, and in the days leading up to the election, one Team Unity candidate arranged to put her name back on the list in exchange for her vote. And in and around the time of the election, up until in the days leading up to the election, she allegedly received 17 checks amounting to $8,500. This isn't a joke, Lena. I'm reading to you, <laughs> I'm reading to you from the filing. And it's the same lawyer that's trying same, to block in the, same, in, the same, in the same kids' matter. Oh my God. Okay. There's a claim that the Team Unity candidates with the Ministers of Cabinet and various state authorities have caused public funds or public projects to be passed off as Team Unity candidate funds or projects in order to corrupt the vote. For example, the construction of a bus terminal located at the Bay Road Bastia and the distribution of houses and or lots in the Pine Gardens area. I want to stop here for a while. <laughs> Because Matt, you, you would recall it sounds like a joke. No, no, you recall the term cool out? Yeah, of course I remember cool out. Hmm? Yes. Everybody was looking coin, for their cool coin, out. Coined by a young man from Baffist. Uh, everybody was looking for their cool out in the election campaign period, right? Oh. Because the Labour Party and its candidates were handing out all this cash, buying votes of people across Dominica. And the term emerged cool out. You would have seen the number of occasions on which the Labour Party was launching candidates in different areas. And all of a sudden, things that could not be done in those areas for years were being done. And the candidate was presented as the one claiming credit or to be credited for this development or this project. And therefore, mm -hmm. should be voted for. It happened over and over again. It happened with every single launch of a new candidate that the Labour Party came forward with in the election. And there's, there are a lot of stories. I heard one up to this morning of, of people, candidates of the Labour Party, actually paying money to people on election day. Now, the filing goes on further and or in the alternative.
the candidates of the Team Unity Coalition did personally, directly or indirectly, by themselves or by any other person on their behalf, and with their knowledge or consent, make gifts in the form of care packages branded in political colors or paraphernalia and rendered assistance to persons who receive lots during May and June with the corrupt intention of securing votes. You heard this? These care packages that are now the, this, the subject now being presented as evidence of bribery, the petitioners claim that they were branded in political colors and party, and party for paraphernalia. And persons received assistance through lots during May and, G, May and June with the corrupt intention of securing votes. That's bribery. And then there's treating. The claim is that the winning candidates are guilty of treating because they did corruptly by themselves or by other persons before and during the said election, directly or indirectly give or provide or pay wholly or in part the expense of giving or providing food and drink or provision to or for diverse persons for the purpose of corruptly influencing those persons or any other persons to vote or refrain from voting at the said election or on account of such diverse persons or other persons having voted or refrained from voting in the said election. So here you have bribery and treating in which the petition of the St. Kitts Nevis Labour Party, whose lead attorney is Anthony Astafan, that is what is before the court. Now, can you tell me, Matt Peltier, why is it that a $50 voucher at a supermarket is bribery in St. Kitts and Nevis, but the payment of airfares to travel from all around the world into Dominica, along with spending money in Dominica, is not bribery. Uh, huh? <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like a joke. You know, things are wrong in St. Kitts, but right in Dominica. They do, they do not even want to hear, they, they do not even believe that the court should hear the petition that we file. But then St. Kitts, asking the court to consider cases which, in my view, are much less serious than what we saw in Dominica. What went on, what actually went on in Dominica. And in Dominica, we have the added matter of the, the denial of access to DBS radio. We have the matter of the intimidation and police brutality. And we believe that the court is going to favorably consider the petitions that we have placed before the court. And uh, I want to take the opportunity at this point, Matt, to, to thank all the people who have been making their contributions via our website, ulpdominica.com, towards the legal fund, towards the freeing our legal expenses in bringing these matters before this petition before the court, and to urge them to continue because there are a lot of there's a lot of legal uh, challenges ahead of us. We have there are a lot of things happening with the government now that have to be legally challenged. And so the support of the people is necessary uh, towards meeting those legal expenses. We have, for example, I will just point them out, 
and the the president of the party indicated yesterday mm -hmm. that there are a number of matters on which we are going to court. We are going to court on the $1.2 billion that disappeared from the revenues of 2018, 2019 and have not been accounted for. We are going to court on this matter of the cabinet decision to rent a palatial mansion in Mont Daniel of questionable ownership for the prime minister at the rate of $32,000 per month. We believe that that cabinet decision is illegal, it is irrational, and it is procedurally improper. It's a decision that was made in bad faith and must be challenged by the process of judicial review in the court. So we have these matters going forward. We have, of course, this very ugly situation where Anthony Hayden of Montreal Management Company Limited is the only person deciding which company will work on building out of the public infrastructure in Dominica using funds from the Citizenship by Investment Program. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. All of those contracts are going to outside companies while Dominican builders and Dominican contractors continue to suffer. That matter has to go before the court as an abuse, as an illegal, as an illegality that is impacting lives in Dominica, almost as though our lives in this country do not matter. So there is, apart from the election petitions, people of Dominica, quite a bit before us as we go ahead, but we feel that the time has come when this government has to be challenged on all fronts. When I say all fronts, I mean all fronts. Because people have to be prepared to go out and show their disgust for some of the disgraceful things that are happening in Dominica today. When you think that all of the state property at Mount Bruce, where the Prime Minister lived for a number of years, where the High Court judge lived, where ministers of government live, where the president had an office. All of those properties owned by the state are now derelict. Nothing has happened with them for years, notwithstanding all of the hundreds of millions of dollars we have collected under the housing option of the CBI and the fact that the prime minister moved out of the residence where he was, the state residence where he was he was for a number of years. He moved out of there to facilitate repairs, one presumes. And he moved out in 2016. He went to Mont Daniel to private residence in 2016, first half of 2016. So this is now more than four years later. Absolutely nothing has been done to renovate or to rebuild something new or better. Nothing has happened, notwithstanding all the money the state had available to do that. And now is the time that they're coming to tell us they need $32,000 a month to rent a property for the Prime Minister because that is what he deserves. $32,000 a month is $384,000 a year. The amount of money that the government picks up for the entire Dominica in one year, if you spread it across the households in Dominica, 
you get a per household amount of $24,000 roughly for the whole year, right? And that money is the money from which the government wants, the cabinet wants to take $384,000 to pay the rent for one man. Our total revenue or national income into government coffers is on the order of $24,000 per household per year. <laughs> but you're putting $384,000 towards the rent of one man. When that same man had to lead his team in the government, in parliament, to amend the President's Emoluments and Conditions of Service Act in 2008, when they adjusted the housing allowance for the president of Dominica, they moved it from $2,000 a month to $3,000 a month. You know. So legally, the housing allowance available to the president of Dominica is $3,000. That is what is in the law. And now by cabinet decision, they want to take $32,000 of the people's money to pay rent for one man. <laughs> And I'm saying to you, Matt, I am feeling the anger that is going around Dominica, and this will not stand. That decision has to be quashed. We have asked them to, to pull it back. We have asked them to just, just tear it up because it is, it is immoral. Just tear it up. You should not be proud of that. Tear it up. Get rid of it. No. They've ignored, and they have come to the public with all sorts of nonsensical excuses. We've heard two ministers of government, Matt. What did they tell us? That Mr. Skerritt overturned cabinet decisions to renovate or rebuild the property at Mount Bruce where the prime minister was staying. So how can these same members of cabinet who sit in a cabinet that Roosevelt Skerritt can overturn their decision, the collective decision by himself? How do those same ministers of government come to give us the impression that they can make a decision that Skerritt is not interested in or doesn't have anything to do with? It's obvious that if he doesn't want the house, he will tell them he doesn't want it. But if he wants the house, he's going to get the house. That's the house he's going to get. And I'm saying, listen to me carefully, I'm saying that these members of cabinet who are collectively responsible for that decision are members who took the oath of office the oath of office to discharge the responsibilities the duties of the office without fear or favor affection or ill will note those without fear or favor affection or ill will that is the oath of office and I'm saying that all of these ministers of cabinet who have taken that oath are in egregious violation of the oath because they have acted in fear of Mr. Skerritt with favor to him and with ill will to the people of Dominica and affection for the prime minister. They are required by the oath that they have taken the solemn oath that they've sworn to, to discharge the duties, the responsibilities of their office without fair or favor, affection or ill will. I am saying today they're in violation of that oath. 
they have acted with fear of spirit in favor to him with affection to him and in favor to him out of their fear of him and with ill will to the people of Dominica and the people of Dominica have a duty and a responsibility to ensure that this outrageous decision does not stand. Let's take a break, Lennox. We'll come back. We know you can do with more. How about 20% more data on Digital's LTE Go Plus 1.0 bundles? All plans come with unlimited digital calls, minutes to call via the network, plus free access to your favorite games on Sportsmax, over 40 million tracks on DMusic, and TV on the go with the Playgo app. Now that's how you give more. More data, more talk, more streaming with the LTE Go Plus 1.0 bundles, available only in the My Digital app. Lookout Dominica, the scenic flamboyant hotel in the heart of the city presents Happy Hour, decent every Friday from 6 p.m. till Goat water, finger foods and lots to drink The first 10 patrons get a glass of wine on the house The flamboyant hotel, the place to be decent every Friday night Esau Trading Limited has the following vacancies vibrant individual to fill in the post of sales supervisor for distribution department. The individual should have at least five years experience in a sales supervisory position. A degree in sales and marketing would be an advantage. Road sales personnel must have previous sales experiences. Automotive salesperson must have previous experience in sales of vehicles and must have a valid driver's license. Applications should be brought into our ESAR Trading Office building located on the corner of Bayfront and Independence Street. It's painful and it's, 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 it's hurting, mm -hmm. Simeon. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to comment on that matter mm -hmm. because the premises said he'll deal with it at the appropriate time. Mm -hmm. But because so many people, and there's so many misconceptions about this thing, I think I had to call. Yeah, appreciate that. As a member of the cabinet. Yes. And to just make some basic clarifications. I'm not going to go in depth and in detail. Right. The first thing I want to say, Simeon, is the state, mm -hmm. one of the conditions of the prime minister's terms of engagement mm -hmm. is that he has to be afforded a fully furnished house by the state to begin with. Right. So, this is not a favor that we do in Roosevelt's Carrot. Mm -hmm. This is not a reward that Roosevelt's Carrot is getting for the tremendous work that he has done in this country over the last 20 years. It's part of the terms of the engagement of the Prime Minister mm -hmm. of Dominica. That is one. Mm -hmm. Secondly, Simeon, mm -hmm. the... Uh, yes, Lennox? No, but the... the Gentlemen, Mr. Austria is saying that it's part of the terms of engagement of the Prime Minister. It may be a settled practice. Maybe it's done before. It's done in the past. By some and not others. But where is it in law? Where, where is the legal obligation? Because in the, in the case of the President, there's something called the President's Emoluments and Condition of Service Act. There's no such act. There's no such law where it concerns the Prime Minister. 
So anything Mr. Ostry is talking about, it cannot be found in the Constitution. It cannot be found in any law. It, it may be a settled practice emerging from some cabinet decision way back when. But, but to talk as though, well, this is, some, this is some legal obligation that the state has. And uh, almost as though, well, you know, it was always there and everybody benefited from it. That's not, that's not true at all. Uh, some uh, people are already calling in. Let me just quickly, Lennox, aside, ask you about, uh, we had budget days, July 28th? 28th. Yeah? 28th of July, Tuesday. What, what should we expect? I don't know. It's not, it's not my budget. It's the Prime Minister's budget. So I don't know what to expect. Um, hopefully, um, there's, some, there's some sort of plan to get us out of where we are into, into a better place. So we'll wait. <laughs> you know how we can get a little... Uh, let, me, let, me, let me make a clarification there, Matt, um, because some people were asking about that. Well, I was speaking about the election petitions mm -hmm. that, that we filed with respect to the 2019 elections, yeah. so December 6th. But there's also a matter that is a carryover from the 2014 elections mm -hmm. where Antoine Defoe, Edin Kortzenval, and Mervyn John Baptiste filed an action in the court against a number of members of the government uh -huh. whom they claimed were involved in treating, the criminal act of treating during the election campaign. When that matter went to the court, it was supposed to commence the magistrate's court because of the criminal proceeding. The, the lawyers for the government moved for judicial review of the magistrate's actions to issue mm -hmm. summons for these people to, for these um, ministers and candidates to, part to appear in court. The judicial review before Bernie Stevenson Brooks, Bernie Stevenson went in favor of uh, the government mm -hmm. and uh, the, the persons who would file the action, Antoine Defoe, uh, Senval and Mervyn Benjamin, they, Mervyn John Baptist, they appealed to the Eastern Caribbean Court of Appeal. And they were successful. The Eastern Caribbean Court of Appeal reversed Bernie Stevenson and, and stated that the matter must be heard in magistrate's court. So the lawyers for the government now have now appealed this, this Eastern Caribbean Supreme Court this decision to this Caribbean Court of Appeal, which is the final stage. And the, for them to do that, they had to get leave to bring the appeal. So they applied for leave to the CCJ so that they could bring the matter before the CCJ. And the CCJ recently granted leave for them to bring the matter before, the matter of the treating violations, um, which was presented as a criminal action, criminal charges against the members of government from 2014. So the CCJ will now hear that matter. Whatever the CCJ decides, let's say the CCJ decides to uphold the Court of Appeal decision, then the matter will go to the magistrate's court, so the criminal proceeding will then commence. Mm -hmm. If the CCJ reverses the appeal court, then that's the end of the matter. But we are confident that the CCJ will, in fact, uphold the decision of the... Eastern Caribbean Supreme Court to reverse Bernie Stevenson in this matter. 136, hello, and don't forget there's a petition out, uh, re Bernie Stevenson. So I, I wanted to say that that's separate, separate. when we when we talk about petitions, that there's the one from 2014 that is live, it's, it's, it's now before the CCJ for, for an opinion and a ruling, and there's the one from 2016 that is going ahead in, in the 
in the normal petition manner. This is the uh, in, in the election court, as they call it. Right, let's take a phone call. Uh, our, f our telephone lines are open. Are you there, caller? Yes, yes. Uh -huh. Good morning, Mark. Good afternoon. Good, oh, good afternoon. Sorry. <laughs> um, Mark, I, I want to make a contribution, but I'm not able to make it online. You know? Yes. Sir. So you, you want to find a way of making your contribution? Yes. All right. So where, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Salisbury. All right, Mr. Lennox, Mr. Lennox Linton can direct you accordingly, yes? From, from yeah. Salisbury. Yes. Um, Bryson Louis. Bryson Louis. Bryson Louis. We'll, we'll contact you, Mr. Louis. We, we, we will contact you. Okay. Okay, thank uh, you very much. And, and right. thank, thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you, yes. too. And we, we thank all the other persons who would like to contribute. And, and as to, in Mr. Bryson's case there, he doesn't, cannot do it online. A number of persons have been in that situation when they should just contact our people. Is there an office number they could call? The, the office number is not in my head right now, but um, I, we can we make that available. All right. Hello, talk to me, yeah? Hello? Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, hello? Yes, good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon, Honorable. Good afternoon, sir. Good How are you doing? Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, I'm well. Boy, it's sad. It's sad. I, 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 today, I, I feel the pain in your voice, brother. I feel the pain in your voice. Um, I just want to ask you two quick questions. Um, I like the idea that you're ready to work on all fronts. Um, I, I'd just like to know, I mean, are, are, is there a reaching out to other, you know, other sectors, other parts getting organized regards, you know, as you, as you yes. talk about the pain that yes. you feel of the people? Are, yes. we, are we getting organized that way, brother? Yes, absolutely. Uh, are, you going, are you going to trust the patriots, or this one, brother? Are you going to trust them? Always, I <laughs> yeah, trust them, trust them. I know, I know, I know, I know they always, don't cry. I know, always, I know, always. you know, I know the history. I know uh, that, but uh, you know, I, 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 my, I feel it in my inbox. Labor rights, everybody seems to be mad about this thing, brother. I, I, you know, please. Just, well, you, know, this, you see, this, is, this has never been. This has never been about any of us individually. It's always been about us together, uh, because this is yeah. our country, and and what we fight for is greater than all of us. Um, so yeah. all of us individually. So, so yes, um, we're reaching out and we're sharing information and we're, we're trying to ensure that all of us are reading from the same hymn sheet in terms of these injustices that have just been heaped on the people of Dominica over and over and over again. And what is it we yes. can do together, joining hands, joining hearts, to, 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 get, to get right done for Dominica? All right. Uh, let's take another phone call. Are you there, caller? Mm, hello. Yes. Hey, Mr. Turn down the volume on the radio. You've been calling the radio too long. Turn it down. We get some e feedback. Hello. Good yes. Hello. Yes. Good afternoon, my brother Matt. Good afternoon to the honourable distinguished um, opposition leader. Good afternoon to you, sir. Uh, who is this? Who is this? Who is this gentleman? Yes. Um, oh. That is um, <laughs> Rudo. <laughs> What's up? I good. I you good, good, man. All right. Yeah. Um, let me say. Um, yeah. I like the spirit of um, Dead Lloyd. I just call and. Um, you know, that is what we need at this point in time, is that you, you broaden your scope, you open your wings, and um, you work across the board. And uh, Because I like what you said, it's, um, it's all about Dominica now. It's not about um, the party that you represent. It's not about yourself, but it's all about the people of Dominica and Dominica in a whole. And um, I want to thank you, Lennox, for coming out this afternoon and really bring some clarity to the matters that is before having to do with the election petition and the um, 
and the tricking and bribery matter because a number of persons. Uh, I don't know oh. what just happened there. Are you there, caller? I suspect we, we, we may have lost that caller there. So try calling back. I don't know what, what went on there with that line, okay? Yeah, that, that's between him and his provider. All right. Well, we, we're going back to the issue, Lennox. We just asked the question as it relates to the um, the budgets. Anything different? I mean, you said ask the Prime Minister, but do you expect anything different than what we saw last year in terms of the financial package being presented? No, well, you know, over the years, these these budgets have become less and less credible. Um, I mean, for example, the the budget is a, is a time when for review, the government presents a fiscal strategy in the budget, which I always argue we should be debating separately from the actual estimates, the allocation of uh, expenditure for different ministries and so on. Those should be separate discussions in the parliament. It happens elsewhere. We have not upgraded the, the value of the budget cycle over 20 years under the Labour Party. It has remained the same thing. We have done nothing different, nothing to improve the oversight, nothing to improve the, the quality of the output um, from the budget cycle. And, and these days we hear more and less and less about um, consultations. We used to hear about people, the government consulting with various stakeholders and so on in advance of the budget. Well, I don't know what was done this time, but uh, what, what, do, what do I expect? More of the same in terms of budgets that lack credibility, budgets that, that don't really go to the heart and soul of the real need of the people of Dominica to emerge from this never-ending spiral of struggle to survive. And we have not seen it in 20 years, and we're not going to see it in 2020. What was the Prime Minister's terms of engagement in accordance with Dominica's procurement procedures? That's a question being asked. The... No, what, what, I, what, I could, what, what I can address is whether the Prime Minister's uh, whether the 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 business, the, house, the business suggesting that it sounds like they were hiring somebody for the job as <laughs> as prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Interesting. Right. One forty-three is uh, the afternoon time. Of course, uh, if you have to call, you you better call now. Four four nine three zero nine five four four nine. 3096 and 4493097. Reginald Ostro went on to say mm -hmm. that the Prime Minister turned, overturned two cabinet decisions that were about the Mon Bruce property and either rehabilitating it or redoing it. And it forces the people of Dominica to ask a question what then is the purpose of this cabinet? If, if you can sit down as a group of 18 people, collectively make a decision, and then one man, because he's the head of cabinet, can overturn it, unilaterally overturn it, because he doesn't want to do it, what kind of cabinet are you? you you're basically useless. Cabinet with all balls there. One you're basically useless. Let's take a phone call. Hello, talk to me. Yeah? Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, yes. So let me say good afternoon to the leader of the opposition. Good afternoon, sir. Um, I just wanted to ask a question, uh, Mr. Linton. Uh, maybe you can comment on the effectiveness of, of CARICOM as one and the confidence in um, the heads in relation to what is going on in um, Guyana. You know, recently Guyana held an election, and we're hearing that after a recount and court. Um, challenges um, the incumbent um, President David Greenger. 
he lost the election, and he has refused refused to leave office. The CCJ has ruled, and he has not recognized the ruling of the CCJ. And um, I read a report indicating that he may even use military forces to, to remain in power as it relates also to the discovery of oil in Guyana. So I want to hear your view in reference to that, because I know sometime back you visited Guyana and um, you held a, a press conference in Guyana in relation to Roosevelt's Garrett and his situation. And now we're seeing the same thing happening in Guyana with, with this, this leader refusing to demit office. I just want to hear your views in reference to that. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Interesting that you, you, you brought up the point of the visit that we had made to Guyana. It was in 2017. It was Thompson Fontaine and uh, Joseph Isaac and myself. We went to Guyana at our expense to have some engagements in Guyana to sensitize the regional public about some of the ugly things that were going on with diplomatic passports and governance generally in Dominica. And Granger, Granger, under the instruction of Roosevelt Skerritt, kept us out of the CARICOM, out of the meeting compound, instructed his soldiers and police officers and security personnel not to allow us to come on the compound of the CARICOM heads of government. We are sitting members of the Parliament of Dominica. So what kind of respect can I have for leaders of that ilk? What kind of respect can the people of CARICOM have for these leaders? Because at the end of the day, it has to do... CARICOM is going to live or die on the integrity of leaders, on the integrity and the commitment of leaders, of the leadership of CARICOM. Because all of them have their own little insular agenda that they're pursuing, whether it's LIAT or it's some other instrument of regional integration. And at the end of the day, it's all what's in it for me. It's all what's good for me personally as a leader of Barbados or Antigua or, or Jamaica or Dominica, whichever, whichever CARICOM country it is. So look at what happened in Dominica. All of the pious talk that you hear now about concern with free and fair elections and so on. We were, we were asking for years before this election for assistance to ensure that we had free and fair elections in Dominica. Mission after mission observed elections in Dominica over the years and recommended electoral reforms, the very same basic reforms that we were insisting on coming into 2019 elections. Because the government refused to put those reforms in place, knowing that it was presiding over a situation that it wanted to manipulate in order to steal the election, all the regional leaders sat back and watched, said nothing, did nothing, Roosevelt, carried under pressure, called the OAS, called the CARICOM, called the Commonwealth Secretariat, sending a joint mission to tell us what to do before the election. They came in. 
They made their recommendations. He rejected them so he could have another election in Dominica without reform. The whole world is watching. CARICOM is watching. And when people got upset and would voice in their disgust with, an, with yet another election in Dominica without reform, reforms that they have in Barbados, reforms that they have in Antigua, reforms that they have in Grenada, in St. Lucia, in all the other CARICOM countries, they are voting with ID cards and they have their list of voters periodically cleaned through legal process. They have that. Yet, they sent soldiers from the RSS into Dominica to intimidate the voting population of Dominica into silence and into saying nothing so that Skerritt could have another election. He could steal another election in Dominica without reforms. And now they're all in Guyana. So we had a stolen election in Dominica. All of them sat back and said, the OAS came and they gave their glowing report. So did the Commonwealth. So did the CARICOM. The fact of the matter is that this election was neither free nor was it fair. And they all know that. But they stood the Roosevelt Skerritt, having sent the RSS forces in here to help him to make sure he got through with another stolen election. And they're now in Guyana doing what? Crying crocodile tears? <laughs> Lennox, uh, you know, you know, the CARICOM has been described as some boys club. Would you agree? Well, there well, are well, girls in there now. The girls, there's a girl in there, so it's a, it's, a, it's a boys and girls club. It's, it's a mixed club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lennox, so quick views on uh, Liat. We've heard liquidation and talk. How, what is the way forward for the regional airline, if any, or should we consider we, we the, always, the, the, always, the, the options? We always make the mistake, you know, when, when matters like this arise, um, we, we forget what our interest is and we start talking about what everybody is talking about. Everybody's talking about Liat, so we're talking about Liat. You know what the interest of Dominica is? Not Liat, you know. The interest of Dominica is air access. Air transportation into Dominica, air transportation out of Dominica. Transportation by sea into Dominica, transportation by sea out of Dominica. Tra international access, access to the international community for us in Dominica, access to the international community to Dominica. And that is where our focus must be, not on, on Liat or One Caribbean or Ralph Gonzalez or Mia Motley or Ruvel Skerritt. We must, we must focus on what is important for us and get the capability that we need, whatever it is. However, what, what, however it's most suitable for us and suitable for everybody else, that's the way we go. But, you know, I, I, I've watched in, in recent years the, the, the government of Dominica, the leadership of Dominica, basically being told what to do where Liat is concerned, where our air access issues are concerned. We were basically just brought along kicking and screaming with Ralph Gonzalez to, to, to invest $8 million in Liat. Remember when that happened? How it happened? <laughs> Remember the Prime Minister could not speak about the Liat investment until Ralph Gonzalez came and spoke in Dominica? You remember that? I remember that. And then when, when Ralph was finished speaking, he was just parroting what Ralph had said <laughs> because he was so at sea with what was going on. He's still at sea. And he's waiting for everybody to do and to say so that he is. today he's with Gaston Brown, tomorrow he's with the liquidation, tomorrow he's with something else. A lack of understanding hey, of the issue there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get real. You know? what, is, what is our strategic interest and how is it going to be best served? 
that's where we lack the analysis and the ability to think through things for ourselves and arrive at decisions and solutions that are in our own enlightened self-interest. Lennox, another big issue this week, and I'm sure we don't have too much time, but I'll bring it up anyway. The matter of uh, uh, addressed by the Chinese ambassador sometime in terms of Dominica and their work ethics. Basically saying that we I didn't, I didn't hear that. Do you have the, you have the clip? Yeah, I have the clip. I'll see if I can I'll play that for you. 449-3095-96. Oh, you didn't hear that? Okay, all right. I suspect I, I still do have it. I can get a quick access to it there. So let's listen there quickly. Dominica and Dominicans and their work ethics. Her locally is the fact that you bring in your own labor. So Chinese are important to do work on the construction mm -hmm. projects. Mm -hmm. How can the Dominican people, the Dominican worker, get more involved mm -hmm. when we do this kind of construction? <laughs> I think it's not really c correct. Not true. So far, it's not true. So far as I know, okay. in the hospital project, although we have Chinese workers, but we also have many, many local workers, local laborers, many, many, many local laborers. Because you know, the local laborers, sometimes they, can, they cannot do technical Work. things. They, they, can, they cannot do the skill. They're not skilled workers. They, they cannot do they can just do some very simple work. Cannot the high-level work they cannot do. So we we must bring workers from China. This 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 one issue. So this, the second issue is that the efficiency of the local labor is not not as good as as Chinese workers. You know the Chinese all the projects, the Chinese government promised the fe the first of February we must hand over all the projects China hand over according to the timetable. Never drag it behind. This is Chinese proficiency, you know. So we want to use Chinese labor, because Chinese labor is working very hard. On, you, you're looking at the West Coast Road. You're walk, looking at the hospital. They're working very hard, day and the night. Even if you go drive from the Rosso to Pusmos, they're even working in the night. I think it's possible for the local labor to work on Sundays. Saturdays and in the evening. Do you think it's possible? No. <laughs> so why we use the Chinese labor? Because we wanted to finish this project in time. In time, it must according to the time schedule, time time rise. But but actually, we still have some local many many local labors in many projects. We we have. You know, it, 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 came, it, came, it came about uh, in terms of the discussion, re, you okay. know, Dominicans getting involved. Yeah, but let, let, let's say this. The Chinese ambassador is saying that they're engaging a lot of local labor on projects that they have. But there is a certain skill level that they get to. That, that was not identified. He didn't tell you what skills he's talking about, but he said that's a certain level of skill they have to bring in the Chinese because they can't find it in Dominica. I don't know what that is. So he would have to explain that. But he's also saying that the work ethic of the Dominican and the Chinese are different. He, 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 as a Chinese person, as an ambassador for China here in Dominica and the Caribbean, is saying that the Chinese nation has a better work ethic than the nation of Dominica. That is his opinion. 
if you disagree or I disagree, then we disagree. But you know what the big problem is? Let me tell you what the problem is, Matt. That's, it's not that. That's not what the problem is. Mm -hmm. The problem is that the Chinese, on projects that they fund, are exercising the right or the liberty or the privilege of bringing in their workers. Hmm? And some of us have an issue with that because I'm saying since the project is happening in Dominica, we cannot have a situation where Dominica, you're giving assistance to Dominica, right? And the Dominican people cannot participate in the build out of those projects that you have taken responsibility for, either from the point of view of a grant or a soft loan or whatever it is. But let me tell you what the bigger problem is. Chinese companies, a Chinese company, was given the contract to build all of the health centers that you see going up around Dominica now. All of them. Not with Chinese money, you know. No, this is not China money. This is Dominica money from the sale of passports. So you see the different problem? Where China is spending its money, we're saying we need to get, we need to get a cut into the labor. But where our money is being spent, Roosevelt Scared has one man giving the Chinese all of the contracts to build health centers around Dominica. Our problem is not China. Our problem is our very own Roosevelt Skerritt and the government of Dominica that we have that is selling us short all the time. How, how is this? How, how, how do you explain this? How do you explain that 11 so it, health it, it, centers... Not, 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 not Chinese money. That's the but the, the health centers are being built with Dominica money from the sale of Dominican passports. And a Chinese company has the exclusive contract on those... On those on those health centers we'll have to and we're talking about the chinese money that they're spending either through soft loan or through grant to build some project in dominica where they when they engage chinese labor like the hospital for example we'd like to see all Domin we'd like to see all the workers being dominican and we'd like to see dominican we, we i am confident that if you give dominicans the chance right they will work and they will ensure that the project is completed on time I'm not, I'm not into this thing where there's some superiority of, of the Chinese work ethic over the Dominica work ethic, but the ambassador is entitled to his opinion. I am more concerned that while, while some of us have a legitimate problem with the amount of labor opportunity we get on Chinese-funded projects or Chinese grant projects in Dominica, we, we have our eyes wide shut to Chinese companies getting exclusive contracts to build out health centers in Dominica, for example, with our money, not China money. Lennox, <laughs> we'll have to wrap it up. We're going to explore this one sometime next week. Very God, bless. God bless you too. Uh, next year, a very interesting note to end on. We'll talk that and explore a little uh, sometime next week. Very interesting uh, wrap up there with uh, opposition leader Lennox Linton. We've got to go.